Thanks to Airbnb, presenting sponsor of African Tech Roundup's podcast miniseries on inclusive travel and tourism, recorded at the Africa Travel Summit 2018. Visit Airbnb.com right now to discover and book unique homes, experiences, and places all over the world. They're all waiting at Airbnb.com. I'm Andy Lemasugu, and in this podcast, I chat with one of Kenya's leading startup founders to learn more about how homegrown fintech innovation is contributing to the growth of Africa's travel and tourism industry. Now listen in to hear how a travel blog targeting Kenyans living abroad led to the development of what is now one of Kenya's leading mobile, online, and point-of-sale platforms, servicing hundreds of hotels, tour companies, and travel operators in no less than seven African countries. Remember, this is an independent African Tech Roundup production. The opinions expressed by me, your host, and my guest do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the presenting partner, Airbnb. Uh, my name is Mark Mongela. I'm the CEO at Pesapan. Uh, we're a payment service provider. We enable businesses to receive payments on any digital payment uh, method that is there. Mobile money, Visa, MasterCard, all of them put together so the businesses can receive digital payments. Welcome to the African Tech Roundup, Mark. Thank you. How do you end up being a founder in, in the fintech space and solving for payments? What does that look like for a Kenyan-born boy? All right. So, so maybe just to give a brief uh, history of how we started. We, we, we used to be a software business. And, and when you do software, basically you're a consultant and somebody comes to you and tells you, you, you know, I want to build this uh, kind of program or this website, this mobile app. So we did that for a while, but it, it tends to have this up and down feeling that, you know, once you have some good work, you know, after some time, you're still looking for more work, you're chasing payments. And so we started looking for things that we could do that could grow um, the local market in Africa in general. And so we started building a travel blog that we, we call Unpack, basically uh, trying to target Kenyans who are in the U.S. You want to come back home, take a trip to Masai Mara, go to the beach, have some fun, and then you go back to the U.S. A media play. Yeah, because a lot of Kenyans, I think, or we thought at that time, a lot of the Kenyans in the U.S. look at home, they, they, you know, they, they have that you know, a little bit of a loneliness, they want to come back and see what it looks like now. And so we, we put out a, a, a thing that uh, had some packages, we talked to some local travel agents, and then we started looking at how they could pay us. And so we connected PayPal, Authorize.net, we did Google Checkout, but all these companies didn't have an African policy or anything. And so what started happening is whenever they would see a payment being made by a U.S. to an African, you know, there was a little bit of um, doubt. And so a lot of our accounts were shut down. And so we got frustrated because we have some little interest and, you know, nobody can be able to pay. So we started pursuing and looking at local banks and wondering what can we do so that, uh, you know, guys who want to actually come and enjoy the packages to do. And that's how we kind of started. And so what year is this? That was 2008. And your background would have been what, ComSci? Were you, were you a coder? What's your background in terms of that? Programmer. Uh, kind of both because we, I, I come from a design as well as a programming. So we use at, at that time is basically software applications. And so we, you know. And who's we? We, myself, and uh, when, when we started, we were a couple of guys, around six guys, came together to build a web and mobile app company. And so two founders, uh, the rest of us joined. We, there were two founders before then, the rest of us joined. So around six, seven guys. Did you meet at Varsity? Like, give me a sense of how that network came together. We, we were all Kenyans. Um, our, our founder, our initial founder, Augusta Liko, was in the U.S. And, and he always wanted to come home and do something. And so 
he you know when he came back you know we started with software but he always wanted to do more because um what what software en- ended up becoming is a lot of our work was outsourced so really what was ending up happening is you're getting a lot of work outside you do it and what really just ends up is 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 the money that you end up making but we wanted to do more things that would impact uh you know inter- uh, locally would have impact a longer a larger ecosystem so So you know when we got together the six of us we started looking at you know what we could do started the travel but ended up in payments so this i, I want to excavate this a little more like when you started the blog was it clear in your mind that it was it was the honey trap for that would sort of set you up to do what you're doing now or was that the business at the time was that the thinking that was the business at that time we we thought that and and we still believe that travel is this one thing that unites everyone We think that you know by the time I travel if I can use myself as an example when I was coming to Cape Town the first time is I try and google everything that I can do when I'm there and it's always scary because when I get here I don't know you know you see all these things all these activities cup customizations dancing places I can go but you're always scared because you're thinking okay so how do I find these things I mean you see them but how do I go there you know how much will I pay so do I, do I meet guys and do they treat me because I'm an outsider do I pay more So we we started as a travel. Travel was a focus for us and we said can we create a platform that somebody will come and experience Kenya whatever it is that they look for if it's a beach thing and they want to go to the beach and while they do some kite surfing and all these things and they'd get them as a package and then you you're working with a platform that puts it transparent and somebody sees this is a pricing these are the people who are behind it so their faces and and we thought we still believe that that is you know the way to go but payments was kind of a stumble upon and you're looking at this going this is not not only is it hard to find information and content on Kenya it's nearly impossible to pay that that's that's actually what what dro- what drove us there because we were building the and when you build the information you really get a whole lot of wealth on what is in Kenya what's available and that was exciting to us but every time somebody will look and say okay fine so I want to come I want to book how do I get the assurance that this person who commits to this uh, will actually come so we ask for a deposit and you need them to commit to it so you know at that time we didn't know how to handle an inquiry you know somebody who says I'm, I'm you know I'm going to come on this day at this time and we don't know whether you plan the whole journey and whether this person will come or not so we started doing payments to see can we get guys to commit a certain amount a deposit and you know that kind of gives you the assurance the guy is coming that's how it all started yeah and so at what point does the business start to move away from a travel business and become much more almost a financial services or fintech business like and talk me through the transition and perhaps the thinking of your of your founding team at the time what is the discussion around guys this thing is changing and how do you recognize it changing i think is when it's when we started realizing there are more businesses that had the same problem like we were having you see at that time we were building a travel platform but then when you when we looked around um other businesses the bill payment businesses had the same problem at that time tv and internet was just getting into kenya where the pay tv guys were just getting into kenya and they always have this problem that a customer comes and signs up but they need to pay it out monthly so you know there's reminding the customer but there's also ensuring the customer can pay you conveniently so previously if you wanted to pay for your pay tv you'd have to leave your house it's been disconnected leave your house go to the nearest shop or mall where they have pay and then come back and they were all wondering what is it that they can do to enable a customer seated watching it disconnects and immediately pay 
you know, they're able to connect and start using. And that's, th- that's just one of the use cases. There were so many. If you, if you looked around, we looked at businesses that actually were looking at e-commerce at that time. It was early. It probably was still broken. Our physical address system in Kenya is not the best. But there were businesses that were willing to take that risk because it's actually cheaper to keep the, you know, the stock in your house and then you put it out on a Facebook page and at that time Facebook was just starting out and then more customers call you. But how do you know the person that you're delivering to is actually going to pay if they don't pay you in advance? So we got a lot of businesses that had the same, same problem that we had with our travel. And so we were kind of at a place where do we continue with our payment solution that we've done and just do it for travel or do we expose it and then you know enable many other businesses so initially we thought exposing and having what you call an api was going to change the world you know so we put out the api and then we sat down and we thought you know everybody would come running shock on us not a single business for the first six months touched the api and that's when we started thinking it's payment is not just about the technology. It's not about telling people there's technology for payments. It's about looking at a business, understanding what is their primary need, and then offering payments together with their primary needs. And that's what has actually grown our business to what it is. So we look at ourselves and deep down we're a payment service provider. But really what our business is, is looking at solutions that enable a business to meet their primary need. So if you talk about hotels who had the same problem that we have, we give hotels uh, free booking engines and tell them, look, put it on your website. A customer will come, check, see availability, see the rates, book and pay. So the payment is a causative effect. It's, it's something that happens after the customer has seen the pricing. So the mind that we, why at that time is that let's enable the technology. Let's put out an API that everybody would use. But businesses don't need APIs. Businesses need solutions and that, that's up to now is what drives us. Is when we look at a sector, is what is a solution that is really needed? Hotel needs customers. If you're running a business, you need customers. If you're doing anything, at the end of the day, you need customers. And so what we've done is build solutions and platforms and that we give out for free so that when the customers then come, then we can enable the payment for them. Almost every fintech founder we have on this show is really cagey with the numbers, right? So we get interesting things like, uh, in the case of, say, the likes of Paystack, you know, we've cornered, you know, so, many, so much percent of the, the Nigerian payments uh, market. And I suppose those sort of metrics are useful on some level. But I suppose in terms of, like, really sketching the, the landscape of opportunity for founders who might come after you and, and perhaps... Uh, potential clients who are not yet uh, clear on the value proposition, you know, platforms like yours. What are we talking about? Make an economic case for why it makes business sense for uh, a startup like yours to bet on this this payments uh, wave. When when we look at the landscape of financial services, um, you're talking around three types of businesses. You have the banks, traditionally done financial services, and they're the primary customer that you know they're the primary institution that every business is went to you have the telcos which now which had you know widespread a lot of africans have mobile they say africa is mobile so a lot of them already have infrastructure then you have what we are you know the psp the payment service providers on the other side and these are guys who are building technology that sits on both the banks and the telecom so when you look at the landscape and you look at what banks were able to do banks focused on getting the customers 
so that they get the deposits so they never really looked at payments they 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 loved to sign up the businesses and they'll you know do their usual KYC tell you this is your bank account and from now on whenever you receive payments deposit here when you look at the telcos on the other side their main focus was connectivity calls sms's ensuring the business is able to get some connectivity and they really did their disruption around communication uh what we felt was really missing was that payment connectivity I always make jokes of the banks because on one side they have businesses on the other side they have customers individuals banking with them but there's no connectivity of the two so what we did is provide that connectivity of the two we sign up businesses on one side and then we enable customers on the other side to come and pay these businesses providing that interlinkage and what it's done if if i can use numbers what it's done and if i focus mainly on east africa kenya uganda and tanzania we have over 20000 businesses signed up with 3 million customers paying these businesses such kind of numbers have not been possible with the banking industry because the banking industry was always focused on put your money here we went ahead and said there's money but then there's where the transaction and where the business happens so for us what we've been able to do is grow the numbers both from the provider of the service and the person who's coming to pay for the service and you give convenience to both so that they can be able to pay that anywhere and any time and so if i want to pay for my bill at home all i have to do is use my phone and i do a quick transaction and it goes my tv gets connected immediately if i'm going to a store and i want to buy i can remove my card i tap nfc i put my pin in a secure way and the money goes and i get the service immediately so we've been able to build our case around convenience for both sets and then platforms that put out the transparency in the transaction now any customer who's using digital payments knows that if anything happens i can trace back my payment and claim in case a service doesn't happen so around the numbers around 20000 businesses in east africa use pesapal and you know 3 million customers are always paying a lot of the customers are actually locals and so if you get a customer paying for a bill the next thing they're going to do is when they're shopping they they'll need to pay for their shopping when they're entering uber they'll need to pay for the, you know the taxi so when you look at a customer there are so many payment points that when the moment you put convenience around all these payment points then you have more usage coming through yeah i suppose you guys are paid on at the point of value transfer which is quite key right so how do you price for that so for our model is simple it's a per transaction model and so when we look at any business we say This is a value we're adding to you. We're going to bring customers, we're going to enable them to pay you. Whenever a transaction happens, we'll take a small commission out of it. And that's our business model. We don't charge registration fees. We don't charge for software. We don't charge for maintenance. We focus on the transaction. That way, all of us, the business, the consumer and everybody can focus on how to make it as simple as possible, which is really our driving force is just how can we make it simple how can we make it secure and reliable for any person so that makes you guys a de facto ecosystem enabler but that seems really risky um t- talk me through how you you funded this and 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 how you would have sold this notion to to investors presumably you've had to have investors at this point and give me a sense of what you've landed so far have you raised We've never focused on raising. I think we've reached that point where we feel that it's time to raise, uh, you know, to, to raise. Well, you better. I mean, uh, what what's the list? Uh, Yoko, Paystack, Cellulant, Branch, Mines, uh, Paga, Flutterwave, Bitpesa. Uh, you guys better jump in. We 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 always felt that. And I'm saying this tongue in cheek, of course. <laughs> we 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 always felt that 
it might be slow when you start. It might be slow, but we believe that payments is a software problem. Our core strength in our business is software. So that cost of building software and building the solution, which is, you know, the, the biggest cost when you're starting out, was really taken away because that was what our, our core, you know, uh, strength was. And so at the beginning we said, let's find the problem. Let's solve it in such a simple way that next time a South African chooses to travel to Nairobi, they don't have to think, do I change the money in the airport where I'm traveling from? Or when I land, do I need dollars? Do I need Kenya shillings? All you need is your card. You walk in, you tap, you get, you go to a curio shop, you like what you need, you pick three, four, you tap, you move on. And so we said, if we solve the software, which is really the biggest investment in payments, and that's, that's our, our standing, is it will grow itself. I want, to, I want to understand your strategy around staying away from the VC money for as long as you have. I imagine the case for attracting a very a pretty healthy Series A has long been made. Talk me through why you would opt to grow on revenue as opposed to basically accelerated growth via VC. I think I'll say the key thing for us is we, when we started, it was clear to us this is a long term business this we weren't looking for a quick win we you know we weren't looking for three years four years and then you know we made this thing it's so big and now we can buy our jet planes and you know can fly around the world we we, exit wasn't a huge deal for you guys you guys want to be part of this for a while we, we want to be part of this for as long as it can be because we feel if and let me let me even say from a personal point of view the day i will be proud of what i have done is when i can say Pesapa contributed to the local economies in Africa in an impact that I can see. And it's not about what I did, but it's what I enabled other people to do. It's not about we as a payment gateway, how much money we have made, but it's what have we enabled businesses in all those economies, the entrepreneurs, the guys who have brilliant ideas and they're looking for a way to monetize those ideas. What Will I have changed? What transformation, transformative agenda will I have achieved as a payment gateway to enable all those guys to grow? That for us is what is in the back of our minds. Do you think, do you think money can take your eye off those values or take your eye off those ideals, do you think? Absolutely. And it's happened to us. It, it's not a lot of the times we, we, you know, once in a while you get into an arrangement where there are lot, there's a lot of grant money, for instance, in Africa. And sometimes we've come across the grant money and we take. And what we always noticed is that it always took us away from our thoughts and our visions. And a lot of times is, is you're looking for quick wins to try and show somebody, look, this thing, is, this thing can work. So a lot of the times it, it takes your eyes off your vision. And so you find yourself running a path and you know you're heading somewhere and it looks big and everybody's saying look this is great but for us there's a vision we really want to achieve i always you know make my comment it's it's a controversial comment a bit i say if you're going to talk about financial inclusion don't tell me about it show me show me what where is it where's the impact a lot of people who talk about financial inclusion have done nothing in financial inclusion what they've done is basically just enabled somebody to have money they don't determine how that money actually impacts that person and for instance if you come to kenya a lot of people are borrowing to bet so you're borrowing money and we are claiming we're helping this guy this guy is using the money to bet he's lost the money so he's borrowing on the next mobile lending provider to pay back to another mobile lender 
For us, what we say is, how have I enabled this person to be able to generate wealth that will enable him to grow into another generation through a business or through some idea that he has around there? That for us is a vision. And a lot of the times, the money that comes tends to drive you away from there. So I, th- I see your focus on sort of the travel industry. I feel like uh, it's fair to say you've cornered it. You're arguably the most prominent payment startup in the space. I can speak for Kenya at very least. But to my mind, that might come with benefits, but also potential risks in the sense that I think an argument can be made for being agnostic and approaching the market with the sense of this could work for anybody, right? But I can also see how focus can keep you on purpose, focused on, you know, your customer and actually adding value in ways they're willing to pay you for it. But give me a sense of, you know, why travel, you know, and why the continued uh, focus on travel, at least as far as I can tell. Perhaps you guys are growing in other areas and I'm not aware of it, but why travel and, and how do you think about your service applying to the rest of the market or to other sectors? If I can take that from... A bit far. Uh, once, once when we when we went to the coastal area in in Mombasa, we found a lot of people who've come from international markets. They come and they love Mombasa, and they decide they're going to set up a nice boutique hotel, beautiful rooms, lovely swimming pool, great environment because the beach is there. And I remember the first time I met one one. It was during the turbulent time. We we had. Uh, excuse the travel advisories and and i met this guy you know him and his wife came together put together a boutique hotel it was doing very well and then suddenly dried up and and i remember walking into his property and and while we were waiting to meet him we noticed he was walking around switching off the lights you know and and when he finally came and he said you know the electricity bill is off the place i have to make sure the lights are switched off and i tried to put myself in his shoes this guy has spent probably all his savings, putting up the boutique hotel, something that he will see it off his retirement and probably, you know, even if it's a hobby, this is, a, this is his life now. And, and, you know, while you sit there and you're selling to him a service, you want to ask yourself, truly, if I'm going to come and offer this guy a service, it really has to make sense to him from a point of view where he, this is all his investment. So what will I do that will actually be so transformative for him that he will stop looking at me as a vendor, as a provider, but as a partner who stood with him at the time when he really, really needed, you know, uh, for his business to make sense. And so when we looked at travel, and that, that's, that's generally we, what we think is that the, at the end of the day, the owner, the person who has spent a lot of time putting up whatever it is, whether it's a lodge, a big hotel, a five-star, that person deserves the win. It's not me, it's not anybody else who sits in between the chain, it's not the travel agents, it's not the two, it's not the middleman. It's that's a person who deserves really the, the largest portion of, of returns. We're taking a quick break to thank the presenting sponsor for the series, Airbnb. Now, can you imagine a world without travel? We certainly can't. And that's why at African Tech Roundup, we reckon that the opportunity to travel and experience everything our world has to offer should be something everyone can enjoy. Airbnb happens to think so too. 
They also believe that Africa's travel and tourism industry can do a lot to sustainably empower and economically elevate underserved communities, which is why they hosted the first ever Africa Travel Summit in Cape Town's Walanga Township in 2018, where this series was recorded. Airbnb can't wait to put you onto millions of unique homes, experiences, and places all over the world. Book now at airbnb.com. And now back to the episode. We looked at travel as... On one side, it is same, similar across Africa. Every time I've traveled to any country, whether it's Rwanda, Malawi, Zambia, Uganda. So you, look, you look across markets and you, and you see it as a, a conquerable niche in various markets. Yeah, it, it's, it's similar. It's the same thing. I'm sure Airbnb will tell you. When you go to Kenya and when you come here, the hosts have a, there's a similarity about it. And so we felt if we solve this problem for one person, double hut in Malindi, Kenya, then it... It's the same for any other boutique hotel. All of them are looking for one thing is customers to come and spend at their place so that they can realize return for investment. So for us, it was a no-brainer. A lot of the people who travel, and especially from the European market, from the US and all other markets, is they want to pay by card. There's always that issue, am I carrying dollars? What am I carrying? So we make it easy. You can pay your deposit in advance online. And when you come, you just swipe your card and enter your PIN and you're done. And so when we looked at travel, it was, it, was the same, it was the same across. And for us, it prides us because the way we've built our platform is so that the larger amount of the return goes to the provider. And that's the hotel owner. Yeah. So tell me, how big is your team right now? Uh, currently, we're 112 in total in seven countries. Uh, majority of them are in Kenya. The larger group is in Kenya, but we're spread in seven countries. It's just nuts to me that you've, you've grown this on revenue. That's nuts to me. It's amazing. A lot of people, and I remember a lot of people always ask, why is it that you don't take the deals? And I always tell them, we don't work in a deals environment and, and we don't look at it as a deal. What we look at is, can we find partners who understand that this is not a three to five year return, invest, return on investment, but this is 10 to 20 we want Percival to be existing in Africa 20 years from now. And, and do we have somebody who will understand that vision and work with us? We're yet to find that out. Given what you just said um, earlier, I, I'm really curious about like, your, your business development priorities and your account management. You, know, you go to your sites and there's a list of all the clients there, some really big sort of hotel chains there and, you know, you haven't spoken about you haven't really spoken about them once you've really spoken about the little guy who to my mind is probably the hardest to reach you need like massive volumes of them for them to you know to make them unit economics make sense how how does you know the how do the ideals that you espouse as a business translate in your biz dev and in your sort of account prioritization you know situation I think that's why on my tag here, I wrote technology, I didn't write payments. Because what technology has done is it's blown out anything that you've thought, thought about traditionally. You see, traditionally, what I'd have to do is segment customers and say, these are premium, hire people to manage those. And then I say, these are my other, and then find What technology has done is through, let me use a single example of a platform. On WhatsApp alone, you run the whole of Zanzibar. Because you have merchants in a group where if they're having and experiencing a challenge, when they share their, the challenge is explained and how they can go around the solution, you're solving problems for 15 people at the same time. So 
We, we look at technology. When, when we launched in Zanzibar, for instance, um, it's a mobile PDQ. A lot, of, a lot of people are used to the traditional PDQ. And at the traditional PDQ... In our, What's a PDQ? A PDQ is... Um, a, it's pretty damn quick, that's what it stands for. But it's this machine that you use to charge a card. Yeah? So traditionally, banks were known to give a PDQ, the machine that charges a card. And in our view, that's a feature phone by any other means. You have to know the menu, know, you know which menu you're selecting so that when you charge the customer, you, know, you tap on the right thing, you select the right currency, and then you charge the right amount. And then the amount has to move and make sure the decimal point is correct. And we transform that to a simple mobile application. And so we give a merchant a mobile application, a simplified mobile PDQ. It doesn't need you to cram any. You just enter the amount, say the currency, and then you hand over the customer so that they enter a PIN. And, and, and what we've done in Zanzibar is, is just use technology because anytime somebody struggles or has a problem using, you're going to find that around 15 other people have. So rather have one person talking to one, have all the 15 of them on one platform when one asks a question and you solve, all of them get all. So that's how you do it. And then also you're building community, you're, you're leveraging uh, a, a network effects. Zanzibar is amazing. And it actually started teaching us that you can use community-based support. They solve their own problems now. They don't call us. Because I know he has the same device. If I call him and I tell him I've been trying to have this problem, he's going to get help. So we're just sitting there and watching, you know, two merchants solve the problem by themselves well it's kind of amazing for us because we thought we'd have to increase the support team if anything we're shrinking it because it's it's all happening on a single platform called whatsapp so after kenya which country did you target next i, I imagine it was i think it was tanzania right uganda we went to uganda first then we went to tanzania we we went to uganda one because we were invited and then uh, we always saw it as an interesting we like challenges we like we like challenges because a lot of people look at, at Uganda as a small e economy and the travel there is not as big as the other East African countries. And we like such challenges. So we went to Uganda and we say, what can we discover about Uganda and expose to the rest of the world that they get to know? And especially East Africa. When, when we're talking about community-based travel, it's for us is a question is, do we have Kenyans who are tired of going to Mombasa every December? Yes. Where else can they go? They don't know. So if you expose Kampala and Tebe, when you expose the, the gorilla travel and the, and the, and the ka kayaking, they call it kayaking. And yeah, the canoeing with the fancy, fan, fancy canoes. Exactly. So, so when you expose it to them, Kenyans started traveling. Tanzanian received more Kenyan travelers than American travelers last year. And so when you expose East Africa, it's, in turn, it's exposing it to the other Africans to know, look, there's Mombasa. Yeah, I've been there 10 years, 15 years, but there's also Kampala, there's Entebbe, there's Jinja, there's Zanzibar, there's Arusha. There are all these other places that you can go in Africa, and that for us has been a driving motivation. Have you guys um, uh, so far um, expanded outside of the East African region? Yes, we're in seven countries additional to Kenya, Uganda, Tanzania, and Rwanda. We're in Malawi, and Zambia, and Zimbabwe. What's the obvious next step in terms of growth, and how do you come to that as a team? Two pillars, travel and retail. We look at how big travel is or how active travel is and we look at retail space. The retail space is basically shopping malls, uh, local shops, uh, shopping markets, just looking at the interest of, you know, how, how are the locals, uh, you know, they're using digital payments and then travel. Travel is, a, is the easiest, uh, you know, pillar to, to move into any market. 
there were some fintech startups. It's not an exhaustive list, so please don't at me. Um, I just listed some of the bigger ones to to land investment in the last sort of two or three quarters. I want you to give me a sense of how you think about competition. You know, I listed the likes of Yoko, perhaps Betpesa, Hadn't, Luno, you know, Paga from Nigeria, Mines, which is, and Branch, which are US-based Africa-focused fintechs, you know, Haystacks, sailing into the biggest sort of VC hall in fintech history, African fintech history. How do you go about framing who's potentially a competitor to watch, a collaborator you might do well to reach out to, or even perhaps consider being absorbed by? At this point, I know you're probably not interested in that. But, um, but also, how do you survey your landscape in that regard? I think this is interesting. I had this conversation today morning earlier with, with a different gentleman because he, he, he really wanted to know what are we doing to, to bring out our brand in the investment you know, uh, space. And because a lot of the times people hear PESAPA, they hear from somebody else that it's a big organization and you're doing big things. But then when we look at investment, you're nowhere. You know, you know, a lot of the VCs are talking about other businesses. And, and maybe just to say where our mind is, is that all the startups that you mentioned, really we look at them as collaborators in the innovation space. And, and, and interesting... Wait, do you really mean that? Like, oh, is this, is this? I, I'll even tell you why. If I went today in a country where there is no mobile payment, there is no bank offering online payments, guess what I have to do? First, start educating people. Hello, this is mobile payment. This is how it works. This is online payments. This is how it works. I'm not selling yet. What I'm doing is educating people. Then now start spending time on, okay, fine. Now that you understand online payment, this is how people can pay you. Once they understand, so I'll have to do such intensive market development so that they can even start using the service. But if I go to a market like South Africa, where Yoko has been, people know what this is. So I can immediately hit the ground and start issuing a solution. Right? So we look at them on one side. These are collaborators in the innovation space. The more we are, the more people become aware. Africa is so large. is so, so large. The list that you have is so so small. <laughs> the, the the space is. So I've left. I've left out. I've left off like at least eighty other fintechs. But there's there's so many countries. There's so many jurisdictions. There's so much opportunity. There's so many sectors that are yet untapped. You know, I know this this week there's a conference happening in Kenya about uh, renewable energy, totally untouched. Probably the only people you've had do that is MCOPO. They're doing solar panel. But there's, there's so much opportunity that the more of those businesses exist, the more we can spy each other to actually solve problems. And that's, that's on one side looking at them. On the other side, when you talk about competition, for us what we always ask ourselves is, are we solving problems? Because we believe that as long as we're solving problems, there's always going to be space for more. And so if we have five, six, seven companies doing the same thing, that's okay. As long as we're solving a problem in that space, there's always going to be space for everybody. If I go to a market, you know, I can choose to sell different fruits or I can still sell the same, same fruits. I believe we'll still get customers. So for us, as long as we're solving problems, I know we'll get customers. And do you think there's a, is there a land grab perhaps for like the larger accounts, the, you know, the big name brands that can deliver, you know, volumes, you know, quite quickly if you bring them online? Is the biz dev around that different, perhaps, to uh, you know landing a grassroots, perhaps much smaller SME? Absolutely, because the bigger businesses have 
I mean a lot of them you'll find they even have technical departments, e-commerce departments. A lot of the high-end hotels, five-star hotels have an e-commerce department. So you're talking to a team that is well-versed, well aware, and so the you know the sales cycle is much shorter, very targeted, very focused. You're talking about the solution. Vis-a-vis the example I gave you of a gentleman in, you know, running a boutique, he runs it with his wife. So they don't know technology. They probably know Booking.com because they've had it, you know, while they were in the Europe market. So you have to spend more time explaining to them the whole spectra and where you play. So by the time you convert that customer, it's going to take around six months. And by the time they realize value, it's going to take a year. So the smaller guys who you need, many of them, you're going to spend a lot of time there trying to realize fruit. You know, first is explaining to them developing their minds and understanding around technology removing the barrier that they feel that this is a you know it's a set for a different kind of people to this technology is not about me providing it to you it's just about you using it so that you're able to 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 realize more out of what you're doing so we, we spend more time on the smaller guys but for us it gives us more pride because that's really what our business is that's what our business is yeah so africa travel summit tell you know Break it down for me. Why does you being here make sense outside of you know the fact that you've you've um, systematically decided to build your competencies around the sector? As outside of that, what what conversation perhaps have you had so far with the pretty eclectic uh, group of people who are gathered here? You know, uh, ecosystem players in your space, um, travel and and hospitality incumbents. Uh, big tech players in the gig economy like Airbnb and, and others. What what conversation perhaps have you so far had that might surprise us or, you know, you know, might be interesting to our audience? I think I'll start by saying the first time I heard about the summit, I googled Airbnb, the brand, to know what they were about. Then I found this guy who has explained it pretty interestingly. He's actually broken down how the logo, the Airbnb logo was put together and it has a symbol of people. You get the feeling that Airbnb is focused on on the people. On on how can you get the local and community-based tourism make sense for the people. And and it really aligns with what we are trying to do. You know, a lot of the times somebody might look at our business and think serving the five-star hotels is a desire we have, which we do because technology enables us to do. But Also, it helps with that whole revenue thing. You guys are self-funding. It also, it also brings the food on the table. But we look on the long term. Community-based tourism is, is going to be this sustainable long-term growth that's going to impact any person who has taken the time to invest in whatever it is that they have, whether it's a talent they have, whether it's, a, it's, it's an, a small space that they've taken and chosen to invest in it, is what community tourism, community-based tourism is going to do is impact and enable all those guys to be exposed to the whole world. And, and when the next time somebody is booking, they don't have to go to a travel agent. I'm going to look up online. I'm going to see all these things I'm going to do. I'm going to plan my own itinerary, do my day one, day two, day three, day four. I put my deposit. I show up. I experience, I love it, I tell all my friends and it goes out to this viral spread that's really going to change the world. All we want to do is ensure as all that is happening, we enable it, 
really at no cost as far as technology is concerned and that's why we're here and we're really enjoying it um i've met so many people with interesting solutions i've never you know thought about i i met uh, you know some guys who are building content virtual reality content and so i could be doing my shopping i'm downloading content on my phone that i get to experience what cape town looks like and so it even excites me more before i get there i get to see how it is and and to me that that's really what that's that's really what is exciting is to see what technology is actually changing in the travel space with things that we had because virtual reality augmented reality is not new but seeing how it's now being used for travel is really exciting to me and that, that that is one thing that I've really really come to like about the summit this has been a really fascinating discussion i'm i'm so glad i was able to catch up with you uh, we wish you all the very best Welcome to the African Tech Roundup Village. When we're in your neck of the woods, there's no doubt. Uh, <laughs> yeah, shout out now. Make sure that I take you around. We're the only city in Africa with a national park right there. I make. This is Nairobi, right? Yep, that's Nairobi, Ken. Yeah, that's pretty dope. Look, I mean, we've got Arari, but we don't have a national park up in our city. That's okay. We'll welcome you to Nairobi, and please, when you're there, give me a shout out, and we'll have a lot of fun when you're there. Fantastic. Thanks so much.